Hi everyone, welcome again to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. Well, today we're uh, excited to conclude our series on the names of God. And today we're going to talk about what is the most critical thing for us to know about God. What is the most critical, most important? So stay tuned. When you think about the things that are most critical to know in your life, well, one of the things when your gas gauge is on E in your car and you're driving along, one of those things might be to know where the nearest gas station is, right? Or perhaps you're uh, looking in your refrigerator to make dinner some evening and you open a refrigerator and it lay bare before you with, with only a bottle of ketchup in your refrigerator that is useless for your dinner with no other food. So you might want to know, and it might be critical to know, where the grocery store is. It might be critical to know what town you're in, where you are at, where you are going if you're in your car listening to this. It's probably not as critical to know the average lifespan of the snub-nosed monkey that lives in China. It's probably not critical to know uh, some far-off fact uh, of some other land. There are certainly things in life that we need to know. Some things that are just critical to know for you to, uh, to live your life. Where to pay your mortgage or where to pay your rent. All of those things are critical for your day-to-day life. And it's just critical to be able to live a normal life. There are just some things that are like that. And certainly, as said, some things that are just less important that you know. Well, my question is for you to consider as we start our podcast here, is where do you put your desire to know God on that spectrum? Where do you put your desire to know God on the spectrum at one end? That is, ah, it doesn't really matter if I know that or not. Or at the other end, where it is critical that I know that, critical that I know God, critical that I have that desire. And before you answer, You know, sometimes our hearts can say one thing, but actually our actions show another. So just look at your last week, your last month, your last few months. How is a growing knowledge of Yahweh, who we've discussed in recent weeks, critical to you? You As we begin a new year, as, as I record this podcast, as we all get older, uh, closer to the day when we won't be here, Uh, you know, we should put a growing knowledge of God at the top of our things to know list. That's the most important thing, is to know our God. Charles Spurgeon, he's a 19th century European minister, wisely noted many years ago. He said, ignorance is worst when it amounts to ignorance of God, and knowledge is best when it exercises itself upon the name of God. This most excellent knowledge leads to the most excellent grace of faith. Oh, to learn more of the attributes and character of God. We have spent the last several weeks discussing the names of God, the names of Jesus that we find uh, throughout uh, God's word. And they speak to us of his omnipotence, his gentleness, his love, his care for you and me. It speaks to how wonderful this God, this being is. If you're like me, as they've helped to grow in, in their knowledge of his name. 
But why? Why uh, such a big deal? Why should we even be talking about God's names? Today we're going to be talking about the most critical thing to know about God is, in fact, to know God, to know about God. I'm going to talk about a formula today that I call the circle of growth. But first we're going to start out in Psalm chapter 9, and I'll start reading in verse 1. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who trust in you know your name. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I love that passage, Psalm 9, verses 1 through 10. So many things that we could talk about, so many things about God uh, being the most high, God being just, God protecting us and knowing us and knowing our needs. Today we're going to talk uh, and focus in just on verse 10, and let me read that again. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. It says those who know your name trust in you. It seems important then that we know the name of God, that we discuss the names of God that we find throughout scripture. And as mentioned, as we focus in on on this one particular verse, Psalm 9 verse 10, I came up with what I call a circle of growth. And it really provides three related thoughts that I'll discuss today. The circle of growth is like an equation that is critical to continued growth in our faith. I don't know if you're listening, if you know what an Excel spreadsheet is. Excel spreadsheet is is a Microsoft product that has uh, just numerous amounts of what are called cells. And in those cells, what really works really, really well uh, in Excel is accounting and numbers and formulas that all work together to provide data Uh, numbers that uh, provide comparison, numbers that saves time, an enormous amount of time. And in those cells, you can put equations where you might stick a a number in there and and have an output of a different number of something, data that you're looking for. I use Excel spreadsheet in my home finances. In my past, uh, past experiences, I've used Excel for many other things. But the thing about, that's great about Excel is that there are so many formulas that you can stick into these cells to provide a variety. At the very simplest form, it's addition problems where you can have a list of 100 numbers in, in a moment's notice. At the snap of a finger, you can have all those numbers added up. Or you can have the average of those numbers. You can subtract numbers from each other and then you can tie formulas to other formulas. It's a vast possibilities of formulas. But for the formulas to work, 
you need all the right pieces. If one thing is out of order, it doesn't work. And so in Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, to center our thoughts around that, there is, uh, as mentioned, a three-part equation that starts with knowing his name. As mentioned, I, I hope that talking about these names of God has been exp exponentially uh, expanding uh, your, your regard for God, your reverence for God, has expanded your knowledge of God. I know it has for me. But going back through the podcast of the different names of God, well, I think will continue to be helpful uh, to discover more and more and deeper. And, and of course, if you Googled any uh, of his names, you would find tons of information online as well. But it starts with knowing God, and that is the start of the equation. If you know him, then you will seek him. Now, at first glance, you might think, no, 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 no. If you seek him, then you will know him. Well, let me put it this way. There needs to be a qualifier for us to seek someone, and in this case, God. For example, a few weeks ago, I was with a friend of mine, and he is a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, NFL football team, and they've been playing pretty well as of late. And... Um, I talked to my friend and I asked him, I said, oh, how are the Eagles doing? And thinking that they were actually doing really well, I hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to it, but I knew they were a pretty good, better than average team. And he said, ah, oh, he said, they've been, not been playing as well lately. And I said, oh, really? And so we had a little conversation about the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, why did I ask my friend about the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, of course, I know he likes the Philadelphia Eagles. I know that's part of, when I think of his name, that's part of the package. He is a Philadelphia Eagle fan. He goes to a game or two each year. He watches them on TV. He walks around with a Philadelphia Eagles jacket. He knows the Philadelphia Eagles. So, therefore, I asked him. I sought him out to ask about the Philadelphia Eagles. And I have a, another friend of mine who is an expert uh, at the Monticello home of uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, she's worked there for several years and has given tours and does research there at the uh, Monticello for the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. She just does like, incredible, incredible work. I did not seek her out for the Philadelphia Eagle information. Uh, she might even like the Eagles. I really have no idea. But I went to the person that I know knows about the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, if I wanted to know about the Monticello, if I wanted some information on Thomas Jefferson, I would go to my other friend that works at the Thomas Jefferson Foundation at the Monticello. Because of their name, because of who they are, I would seek them out. So it is naturally the same with God. If we know who God is, we will seek him. You know, seeking is a bit of the natural part. If we find ourselves having trouble with seeking God, we are actually having trouble with knowing God. We seek, when we seek, we seek because there is something there we want to know. I love a scripture that we read in the book of Jeremiah where God speaks through Jeremiah, giving us this incredible thought about what seeking God is and what it isn't. 
Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I mean, what an incredible statement. You know, this promise is that we can find God if we seek him. But if you notice, there is a qualifier. We just can't be lazy about it. You know, when I talked to my friend about the Philadelphia Eagles, I didn't do a single thing with that information. I took note of it, and I haven't all of a sudden become a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I do root for them uh, because he, I mean, he's a good friend, and I know he likes the Eagles. And so on a given day, they're playing some game that I, that I don't care about who they're playing. I, you know, I, I hope that they win. But I didn't do a single thing about the information that I received that day about the Eagles. Why? Well, I was a bit half-hearted. My purpose of talking was really just to be his friend. We cannot be that way when it comes to God. We cannot be half-hearted or be lazy about it. A full effort into seeking God is not a fruitless endeavor. It's not a waste of time. Very clearly, logic would tell you that if you see God better, if you seek him wholeheartedly. We seek God with a full heart. We will see God better. Then, in turn, will lead us to trusting him more. If we know God, we will seek God, which will help us to trust him more. You know, this is a natural occurrence in our day-to-day -day lives as, as well. For instance, if you have a credit card, who would you lend it to? Would you lend it to me? Would you lend it to a stranger on, on the street that came up to you and said, hey, do you have a credit card I could borrow for a minute? Just for a minute and I'll give it right back. Uh, of course not. Of course you wouldn't lend your credit card to someone you don't know. You wouldn't lend it to someone that you wouldn't trust. But you might lend it if you're married to your spouse you might lend it to a trusted friend if needed. If you have children, you might lend it to them. Of course, some of you might be thinking, well, maybe, maybe not on that. <laughs> but you know the point is that if you have a credit card, you're going to lend it to someone that you trust. The more that we seek to know someone, the more we find out whether they are trustworthy. And when it comes to God, when you think of God the Creator, who we've been discussing week after week and our names of God, of just how incredible God is. Is there a better being to trust in? Is there anyone more trustworthy than God himself? There are tons of scripture to take to heart on this. Tons of scriptures that talk uh, about our trust in God. Besides what we read in Psalm 9 verse 10, some other psalms to consider. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. Psalm chapter 37, starting in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Psalm chapter 118, verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. 
It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Psalm chapter 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. When we seek him, when we find scriptures like this and, and many others, God is like practically daring us to trust him. Don't trust in the things that the world offers. Choose to trust in God. That is sometimes easier said than done, yet it is what we are called to do. And God practically dares us to find a way to trust in him. But that trusting is so much easier when we are seeking him. And that, of course, is going to help us on days of sunshine and also in times of trouble. But if we can seek better and trust better, then we can gain confidence and promises like we read in Psalm chapter 46 where it says that God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. A promise, a statement, not a possibility, not a maybe, or he might be. It is just a plain factual statement. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Let's choose to trust in that. Let's choose to trust in God. And of course, then the circle of growth continues. Our growing trust circles farther to an even greater benefit. That if we gain more trust in him, then we will understand more and more and more that he is by your side and that he will never leave you. You know, in the Old Testament, there were oftentimes when the Israelites you know, found themselves in situations where they really needed to trust God's hand. Situations where they had no other choice. Like when their backs were against the wall, when the Red Sea was behind them and Pharaoh's army was charging at them. Moments where it didn't seem like there was a way out. And they were, because of the situation, finding themselves with no other choice than to trust God's hands. But, you know, we find ourselves in those kinds of things. You know those kinds of situations. Moments where it seems like uh, it's just filled with unknowns and filled with understandable anxieties on our part. Moments where uh, life could all go south. It usually involves you know, some sort of transition or change. But you know those moments. They have uncertainty, a hardship. Those are the hardest moments for me and I bet for you to find yourselves to trust in God. Well, one of those moments for the Israelites was a moment in time where they were going to cross into their promised land, a land that God had promised them uh, sometime earlier. And they had wandered around and they were ready to cross into this land where, amongst other things, they would have the challenge of a new leader. They would have a challenge of going into this land that was unknown. They had never been there before. And they were also going to face up against other people in that land that didn't want them there. So I pick up a story in Deuteronomy chapter 31. In verse 1 it says, Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. 
The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he had destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. They got reassurance from God himself that they, God would be with them, that he would go before them and watch over them. Their only job, their one thing that was in their, uh, in their hands and in their control is just to follow God's lead, which if you know the story, they had already brought them through many uh, challenging situations. But the promise remained that he would never leave them. Hey, I'm not sure what your life will bring to you. I'm not sure what my life will bring to me this year. Uh, you know, I have an incredible group of people that I am uh, blessed by, fortunate with to, to be able to worship God with. An incredible church body. I'm so excited about it. And I have faith that this year that, that God will deliver many victories for our congregation. But I don't know all what's going to happen. I am super hopeful and as optimistic as ever. But there is uncertainty there. I'm not sure what the world is going to offer me this year. I mean, as I record this, there's multiple wars that are in the news. There's elections that are in the news. Uncertainty. I'm not sure what is going to happen with any of those. I'm not sure for you what, what's going to happen with your job or your school if you're a student. I'm not sure how that's going to go for you. Difficulty could come on any of these uh, fronts and more. And that difficulty might seem unsurmountable at time. But I think just as it was for the Israelites, God's promises are true. And if you and I hang in there with God, with Him, capital H, the same promise is true. That if we know God, you will seek him. If you seek God, you will trust him. And if you trust, it will lead to better obedience and you will further understand that he will never, ever, ever leave you. Of course, then we will have gotten to know his name even better. And the cycle starts over again, round and round. And you can see you clearly have a circle of growth. Uh, clearly growing in faith, clearly growing in trust, and clearly growing in a knowledge of God, that if you know God, you will seek him. If you seek him, you will trust him. If you trust him, you will know and be confident he will never leave you. And round and round again, the circle of growth goes. But if just one portion of the equation is taken out, if it's disconnected, if it's ignored, or reconnected to something else, the equation doesn't work. And like the Excel spreadsheet that you hope kicks you out uh, 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 the correct answer, it will just show you error. 
and the formulas won't work. But if the formula is working, my goodness, it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to continue to grow and grow and grow, learning more and more about God, being convinced that God loves you, being convinced that he will never leave you, being convinced that he thinks you're amazing and you're worth it. So keep digging. Keep persevering. Get help if you need it. Help others if you have it to offer. But know the name of God. Know the great I am. I hope that was helpful. And if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit us on our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.